Hi, I'm Brandy. And I'm Angelina. And welcome to Talk 40 to Me. We're having all the candid conversations you'd have with your bestie. Join us as we unpack life in our 40s and all the questions that led up to this next chapter. Hi, everybody. I'm Angelina. And I'm Brandy. And this is Talk 40 to Me. And I am so excited today to share with you guys. We have a guest, a friend of mine from college. Um, you guys, we met in the dorm freshman year, and we have been friends ever since. We live far apart, sadly. Now she's all the way in Washington State, but I had to have her on here because she has an incredible journey that we want to share with you, and which is why you know we called this segment, you know, the uh, so- sober or sobriety in a world of mega pints because we feel like this is just really important, especially what's going on in society today, post COVID, and all that. So. Without further ado, I have my friend, Tessa. Welcome. Thank you so much, Angel. This is amazing. Thank you, Brandy. I am just so happy to see your faces. I know. I know. It's so nice to see, to see each other and have like, ah, yes, we're on a zoom, you guys. So we can see each other and really like talk and engage with each other. Yes. So fun. We miss your face. Yes. I know. So Tessa, tell for, I mean, we know all about you, but people listening don't. So tell us about you and your background, your family. Yeah. I kind of now think about my life pre and post alcohol free. I became alcohol free a year and a half ago. And I kind of tell my story in that way and work backwards a little bit, but that, because that was just such a big life change for me. And yeah, it, it now really it's, it's less about the alcohol now. It just was transformational in that I, I do feel like a different person now since, um, since that change. And but that doesn't mean like every time I connect and like get back to seeing people like you that were in my life mm-hmm. for so long when I was drinking, it's like there, that was still me, the essence of me yeah. still there. It was like, it's not like I am. Yeah. It's not like everything has changed. It like brings me back to say like, Oh, okay. This feels good. And like, like it, how, how it was, but I grew up in Seattle and I am the youngest of four. So I have three older siblings and went to LSU moved across the country, which was a bit of a culture shock, but angel. (laughs) You don't say yes. Um, angel made that transition much easier. And then I, I moved back after I lived down there and then Hurricane Katrina kind of just pushed me back to Seattle and that happened. And then I just stayed back here and met my husband, had a baby, got married and then worked. I worked in the corporate world for about 10 years, which was great. Started my own business. Business did not do well <laughs> and did during COVID alcohol-free during COVID pandemic kind of escalated everything. And I, I don't want to say that was like, that I'm thankful for the pandemic, but in some ways I am because it kind of made me um, reassess, especially with the alcohol and with my business and just take a step back and say like, none of this is working and just do like a reset. So yeah, I have two amazing, a boy and a girl, um, nine and 12 and Yeah. So I'm still kind of cleaning up some stuff for my business, but I now am a guide, a recovery guide on this app called lived. So I do, I create courses for them on becoming alcohol free. And then I also do uh, sobriety coaching 
one-on-one coaching. And then I create a lot of content on TikTok, um, which is just fun and kind of like a creative outlet for me to express myself in a different way and share my journey. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was my next question, which would sort of brought me to saying we got to have Tessa on the podcast because I know that TikTok this kind of fell into your lap and you did not try to grow and have this whole sober talk community. So like, what has that been like? And how surprised were you by all of that? Well, I, I honestly, I had a TikTok before and I had been playing around on it just because I thought it was fun. And then right. I had, I was on there like, and it just, I didn't like it. So I deleted it and just started over when I became sober because I was like drinking on the other one and things like that. And I just wanted to like wipe it clean. So I started just going on there and it's funny with TikTok because it's very different from Instagram where you, I kind of felt like nobody was following me and I was mm-hmm. in my own little vortex. And so it really was a way for me to just say what was happening in my life out to people. And then the algorithm kind of just pushes it to people that are like-minded. So I kind of just, uh, these people started commenting and then all of a sudden I'm in this little sober vortex of like, like-minded people. So I just kept posting and, you know, seeing other people relating to their posts and their comments. And it really is, was a form of in the sober community. I mean, that that's what it's about. It's about support. And that's kind of what keeps me going is having other people that can relate to what I'm doing. And so it kind of makes you want to post more because you want to be able to like get that out and then have other people reinforce, reinforce what you're saying by saying like, Hey, I relate, you know? Yeah. I would think the journey to sobriety is a deeply personal experience And I'm assuming that oftentimes there's people who keep that very close to the vest and don't, not really comfortable with sharing. What made you comfortable with sharing your journey on TikTok and getting involved in helping others through their sobriety journey? Yeah, no, that, that is such a good point. I think recovering out loud is what it's called. And that's not for everyone. I mean, I don't, think like everyone should, because that's why, I mean, that's why it's called alcohol anonymous. A lot of people prefer to stay anonymous. They have jobs. They have like reasons why they would never share outside of a very safe place. If they do share at all. I do think like for me, I had a ragey feeling in the beginning against the way that our society views alcohol and that anger made me, um, it was pretty intense and it made me want to speak out about it. I want to share your, the Newsweek article that you wrote when we published this podcast so people can read it. But if you could share a snippet you had written, what was it that propelled you to say, okay, this is, this is too much. This is not healthy anymore. Like, What was that pivotal moment that you said, I'm not going to do this anymore? The scary thing is, is that I think I was going for a couple decades as like a normal drinker. I know I you know, had moments of overdoing it in college that it's like, okay, now looking back, I'm like, okay, red flag, red flag, red flag. But it's like, right. I could have, there are a lot of people that can go on like I was drinking the rest of their lives. And so it's a spectrum is the way that I look at it. So for a couple decades, I was in that like problematic, normal drinking area, gray zone. And then when the pandemic hit, it was a six month period of just like a shit storm of drink a cycle that I could not get out of. So it looked like drinking a bottle of wine, maybe a two bottles and then feeling like shit and having that shame mm-hmm. and then drinking again, because I felt so bad trying to like, you know, get the hangover to go away and then drinking again. And so it just like continued, continued. And then I'd have a cider in the morning. Cause I would feel like crap. 
and I couldn't get out. I would say like, tell myself to stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. Like, I want to cut back. I want to cut back. And then I would just be right back into the cycle. And then it was Christmas day. Um, I stayed sober for Christmas Eve so I could like wake up with my kids. But that day I just drank. And then we, we live in a really safe neighborhood, but the, we had left our garage door open. And so a cop came by and I didn't answer the door. The dog was barking. Like we were all sleeping. And then just like seeing the cop at the front of my door, there was something about that, that just scared the shit out of me. Like there could have been a fire. My kids could have like, something could have happened. And I would have been unresponsive. My husband had drank little. And it was like, it was just this moment where I was like, oh shit. And it was the not yet. It's like, now I hear the stories of moms that like, you know, things happen and it's like, wow, that just, again, nothing happened, but just like that just hit me where I was like, I'm done. Like, this is, this can't, I can't do this. And you just went cold Turkey. I did, but I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So I did, I went for like a week. It was like new year's and I reached out to a couple different virtual support groups. I knew I didn't want to do AA. I didn't feel like I fit into like the society stereotype of like an alcoholic at the time. So I, I tried different support groups and then I found a silver mom group that helped me to continue on, on my journey. So I knew, but it was, I mean, it was not easy for me. I, I definitely, the first couple months, it was like every day fighting the urge to have that, especially from four to 7 PM, just fighting constant fighting of the urge to drink and numb out and like it was, it was really difficult the first 30 days, but the support group really helped me. And I was in therapy also. So that also helped me. Was the moment you saw the police officer sort of your aha moment, or was there a point during the process of, I don't know, what's the right word to use Tessa? I know what you're saying. Like the therapy was, cause it, I think it wasn't really about the drinking. I was using it at that point. It's like, are you using it to celebrate or to cope? And I was using it to cope. And so I knew that through my therapy that I was dealing with a lot of trauma work. And so I, it was something I had said to my therapist, like, I'd like to cut back on wine. It was never a point where it was like, even maybe I had this like knowing in my, that this was not normal, but it was never my goal to be sober. This was my love of my life. Like wine was my life there. I did not want to give that up. I just wanted to learn how to like do life without numbing out. Like I wanted to like moderate and figure it out and then come to find out through therapy. I mean, I was using it in a way to just cope and deal. And then once that kind of clicked that it was like, okay, this is no longer worth it. My it's like, I had this pathway that I had built in my head that it's like any minor inconvenience wine. And it's like that pathway was so deep that it's like, I was going to it for everything. Like husband says something mean wine, this kids are annoying wine, anything. It was like, that was the solution. And so in order to break that, it was like, I came to the point where I was like, I mean, there's no way that I can continue on like continue on this pathway without giving it up. So it was never like my end goal. Right. So there was a point where you sort of had this aha moment of, gosh, I need to stop doing this altogether. Yeah. And again, I think that most people, when they get to that point, and again, I think I had what's called a high bottom, which is why I don't identify as much as like the term alcoholic. I don't think that most people want to give it up mm -hmm. when you make the decision mm -hmm. because it does what they say it does. It does all the things. It makes you feel good. It 
it does everything that we want it to do until it doesn't. And then it can turn on you, which, and it can turn on anyone. It's just, again, that spectrum of when it can turn on you. So it, it works. And I think the only thing that really, the clicking kind of happens over time after you take a step away from it. Mm. And then it kind of clicks more that like, maybe this is not what it says it is. Maybe this Mm -hmm. has been lying to me. Maybe this is like actually not working. Like I thought it was working. It's actually fucking up my life. It's actually making me feel like shit. It's actually ruining my life and like doing all these things where like this shiny part of it is still there, but it's no longer this, like, it's no longer helping me. So I think like that, the like real like aha moment came more after, after I was away from it. But I do know, like I had enough of my shit and like, this was, I had enough of enough where it was just like, I can't fucking do whatever this is, this mess like that. I need to stop. So I did know that. I've noticed just me and a friend were talking about this this past weekend. Like I think like my upper thirties now that we're 40, I can't do more than like a couple glasses of wine. If I go further than that, I have anxiety. Like I know that's the point where it's like, this is too much. And I have to tell myself, okay, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And it's just a little, you know, but, but at least I guess that's the point knowing that because like you said, the pandemic, I'm sure there's statistics on this, right? The alcohol consumption and sales had to skyrocket. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And especially with women, I mean, moms, like we were home with our kids and it's like, that was the meme going around, like stock up on your wine. I took that very seriously. And again, it's like, I think that there, I go, I go back and forth. I mean, now there are studies that say no amount is healthy. I'm not like a prohibitionist where I think like no one should drink. I do like my husband still drinks. I have friends. I hang out with friends and still drink. So I'm like, I'm not like anti-alcohol, but I do like for me and what I, my relationship with alcohol was so messed up. There really is no way that slope. So I always talk about like these different slopes, the slope alcohol me. I have a new slope now that's alcohol free that I've learned how to cope and do life without it. But if I went back, that slope is still sitting right next to me. It's not as loud and it doesn't talk to me. You know, it doesn't draw me over this slope. I have to continue to build because I will go right back. I mean, it might be like a week and it might be fun for like a week, but I'll go right back into that hole. Now you mentioned your friends and your husband drinking, like how hard is that for you? Like, I'm, cause I'm sure there's some friendships or some people that you just like, I just can't be in this mix anymore. How hard is that when you're in a social setting or out trying to not drink and then everybody else is? Yeah. I think now after a year and a half, it's much easier. It kind of wine now. Well, you know, sometimes I get the thought like a nice cold glass of white wine sitting over there on a hot day, like, Oh, that's nice. But then it kind of just passes. Whereas before it would hold on to me and like grip me all night to be like, I wanted that wine. Yeah. Now it's kind of like more like chocolate or like laundry detergent. It's just like kind of sits there. It's not such a big deal. I was going to say that's, that's how I feel about chocolate. (laughs) I, I mean, I'm not trying to compare this at all, but I, uh, and there is no, but in this really, but it's (laughs) just, I think about chocolate all the time. Yeah. I do. I mean, that's my vice. Sugar has addictive properties. I mean, right. Right. It's not as toxic and like, yeah, I mean, there for sure is. And I use, I, I use gummy bears and chocolate in the beginning, which I recommend to anyone actually like just get through that beginning, but then it can, like, for me, it kind of switched where I had to work on my sugar 
because I had started to use that. Um, and that can, and that's a lot like co co-occurring disorders or whatever. Like, I don't want to fall into like, I mean, when somebody has an issue with something, it's like very easy to switch it, you know, right. to mm. addicted to TikTok, sugar, <laughs> like it's very easy to switch. So you just have to make sure you don't pivot that need right. for something into something else. Exactly. Exactly. Tell us a little bit more about Sober Talk and also some of the support that you are offering others. Is there something that's really been inspiring for you or something that you've learned or, you know, just even how things have gone on TikTok? On TikTok, what I love is that even from this time that I started posting, I have noticed so many more younger creators. I've noticed more in like late twenties, early thirties, the like sober, curious, alcohol-free culture has grown. And maybe that's because, you know, again, the algorithm is like pushing me into that, but I do think there's a change. There's more alcohol-free bars opening. There's more different alcohol-free beverages. And I just read a statistic um, about this alcohol-free store in New York that 90% of their customers do still drink. It's that they're exploring sobriety as like an alternative, which I just think that to me, like gives me goosebumps that people are talking about this. Like, again, this conversation would all is like, I think 10, I don't know. Again, I was full of wine 10 years ago, but I think these conversations would only happen in the rooms of AA. And that was the only option. Now look like we are, you guys still are like normies, what I consider normies. I mean, I can't, I can't, nobody knows for sure, but I consider you both normies mm -hmm. that you guys are even like interested in talking to me about this tells me that, that there is a shift happening in our culture to explore this, whether you're still drinking, you know, a little bit or more. So I just think that to me is amazing. And I hope in some way, like that, even if I've inspired one person to like reconsider their choices, that to me is like why I'm doing this. I just think it's amazing. Like you're talking about normalizing it in culture. It's more acceptable. I saw Katy Perry has a line out. You read my mind, Angelina. I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> I think Tess, I think I had sent it to Tess and she's like, yep, I'm talking to them or something. Yeah, no, they're just, I mean, I love those. It's like with adaptogens and reishi mushrooms, because that that's the part. It's like, if you're going to drink something delicious, why not have, I mean, we know, I mean, Brandy, you're in the food world. All of these different brands are coming up ways to add these benefits to mm -hmm. products. And that's yep. really, I mean, that's what consumers are looking for right now is if I'm going to drink something, like I want it to be beneficial. Right. So I just think it's incredible. It's good. It's, it's amazing. It's good. It's like an aperitif kind of like a nocino or something you would have like an after dinner drink. It's a treat. I'm going to have to try that. Can you describe the flavor? Cause when I think of mushrooms, yeah, is that right? <laughs> they have mushrooms yeah. in it. I was, when I saw the commercial, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I'm not really like a mushroom girl. So please describe this. Yeah. So, um, have you ever had like a liqueur, like a nocino or like a liqueur liquor? Um, I don't want to say I mean, I'm sure you've had like Jägermeister, not, not like that, mm. but like kind of more of a lighter, one of them is like that. It's kind of like a, like more of a spiced. Like bitters? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. One of them is more like that. 
but lighter. So you don't even taste the mushrooms. Another one is like a green tea, refreshing lemon. That's my favorite. I think it's like golden mm. hour. That's like a, a green, it has caffeine and the adaptogens. So you don't taste the mushrooms at all. That sounds yummy. Is there a benefit? Do I don't know if you can answer this, but do the health benefits of mushrooms transfer? Cause you know, a lot of times when there are ingredients that are baked in or cooked into a certain type of packaged product, you lose a lot of the nutrients. And sometimes you don't, sometimes you do. And so I'd be curious to know, like, do the nutrients sustain through that process? Yeah. I don't know what the, I mean, if you go, if you go on clubhouse, there is a room that just talks about mushrooms. That's all they talk about is mushrooms. Like <laughs> mushrooms. It's insane. Like you can learn so much about mushrooms and not the psychedelic kind. Like just like, right. talk well, I was about, curious. Like, I'm like, is this like the ones that you eat? No, you're right. I mean, I think, and that's the thing with like packaged products. I mean, we know this, it's like, you can't, I mean, of course, I think with anything, the pure form is always going to be mm-hmm. the best, but it's like, how they make, I guess it would be the equivalent of how they make a vitamin. Again, I'm not an expert, so I don't know, but I assume it's the same process of like of a vitamin type processing. Yeah. Some type of concentrate, but I don't know. I should, I should know that. Cause I worked, I did, I did do a little work with them, but yeah, no, that, that is, that's the ray, the glimmer of hope for me. And of course, at the end of the day, I, I don't want to be just like screaming into like a microphone to an empty room. I, I don't want to come off. It's like a fine balance of coming off as preachy or better than because I don't drink. I don't want to come off across as that. While I do think like, again, for me, an alcohol-free life is better. I do think that everyone can benefit from a break, like however long of a break that is two weeks, just stepping away from it is it's incredible. That's awesome. So time off is incredible. I think that's, that's catching too. I'm seeing a lot more like in terms of health and wellness, people saying like, okay, we're going to do 30 days. Like, and it's a whole health wellness journey. Like you got to drink a gallon of water a day and then, you know, alcohol, you cut back sugar, like all of these things. And I've done those over time. I've done a few of those. Those are cool. Not juices. Juice cleanses were terrible, but um, no, (laughs) I was so hungry. But the overall health ones, you know, where you cut out like the, the, the wheat, the sugar, the alcohol, all of it, you really do feel just lighter and better. And yeah. And it probably didn't help that we went to a party school that that's just what you did. (laughs) Right. And moved to a city where you also party, you know, and I'm still here in New Orleans and I can tell you, it's not, we're not a healthy city. We're generally like our, our health grade is I think pretty low. Yeah. So I'm sure certain cities that it's not a priority health in general is harder. Yeah. Right. I think generally speaking, so many thoughts here. One, as society evolves, as technology evolves, we are a much more educated group of consumers. We have Google at our fingertips and we're fed so many different messages that I think on one hand, it's overwhelming, but at the same time, it is somewhat liberating that you can find information and come up with your own perspective. And sometimes that's uh, good and sometimes that's bad, but I think overall, just generally speaking, you have access to information to learn more and to become more educated and to be able to make those choices for what's best for you and what's best for your family. I've never been a big drinker, 
and growing up in a city where there is a lot of alcohol and it is very socially accepted and going to college where I, I feel like oftentimes I feel that people go to college and a lot of times students go a little bananas, right? <laughs> when, you know, you're exposed to all this alcohol, you're, you're free, you don't have your parents over you and watching over you. And I think each person and their personality is very different. I grew up where it was accepted in the home and my parents were very specific about if you're going to drink, we want you to learn your limits. We want you to understand how your body responds to this. And, and we want to teach you. Whereas I was around a lot of classmates who were forbidden to drink and weren't allowed around it. And they were exploring that in college away from family and amongst other groups of people who are really pushing that. And so I think personality wise, it's a really hard time. It's a hard, because for me, I was pressured, like, why aren't you drinking? And people were judging me. And I think I had also seen effects of it where, you know, there were, I've, I've just seen things happen to different people. And so it almost scared me. Yeah. And I wanted to protect my friends and I wanted, I was almost mama bear. Like I always was the DD and I always was making sure that everyone was safe because I always thought about like, it could be so much worse or something could happen to someone. Brandy was always the responsible friend. You always were. <laughs> that is like the definition of a normie. Like that is, that is the fit. And like knowing that about yourself, I mean, it sounds like you were very self-aware from the start. Yeah. And even now, I mean, I, I'll drink socially, but I also feel like, you know, gosh, there comes a point where I'm like, okay, I don't like this feeling. I'm going to stop. Yeah. When I visited her in Dallas, I think she had a half glass of a margarita yeah. and a half. And then she's like, I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. Had enough I mean, for the day. Feel like it makes you feel like shit. It's like, well, what's the point? And to me, I would be like, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm like, now that my, blows my mind, like a half a margarita. Why wouldn't you drink 10? Like that, like that's <laughs> the way my brain, our brains just like work so differently. So it's like, I could like, why would I want a half a glass? It's like either nothing or 10. So for me, it's nothing. Yeah. And a person, I think people would judge me, right. For saying, well, why, why would you not want to drink or why are you talking about it in this context? And I think for me, it helps me to better understand and be more compassionate and supportive yeah. to friends who may be in a situation of going through recovery or who does like to drink more. And I'm just of the mindset, like you do you, and I'm here to support you. I'm not here to push my beliefs on anyone else. I don't think that drinking is bad. It's just a choice that I make. I'll do it socially, but I just don't do it in vast amounts. But it's very educational for me because I think in society, we oftentimes don't get the words right and we mean well. And so I think it's helpful to understand leading into this next question. If someone is going through recovery, if someone is potentially struggling, do you have any advice for loved ones to support that person who is maybe going through uh, this journey uh, themselves? That's such a good question. And it it's so different for each individual. Like you said, like we kind of talked about in the beginning, some people are really open and some prefer to just keep it in the rooms. If they're doing AA or some other program, it's like, they want to keep it there, but just like being mindful saying, asking like, do you mind if I have a beer? I think goes a long way because a lot of people don't care, but a lot of people it might be triggering like 
saying, do you mind? And then just saying, understanding, I think the biggest thing in sobriety and, and recovery for people is boundaries. So when somebody might say no to something, no, like it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you. It's, it's whatever they are feeling comfortable with and not getting offended by it, like giving somebody that space. Because most of the time I found with a lot of my friendships, I still want you to like, keep inviting me, like invite me to Vegas. Like, I'm going to say no, but I want you to still invite me. Like, don't like, but I'm going to say like, and then maybe eventually like, I'll go with you, you know, somewhere and say yes, but it's going to be, you know, something that might be more where I can leave, you know, within three hours I can escape or something. But I would say like, if, as long as within reason, like don't bother them, but still like keep them feeling like they're included not like you completely like they're dead. Like that's kind of what my fear was like when my life is over, I'm never going to be able to socialize. That was my fear. And then, Mm -hmm. um, that I'd never be able to go out. And it's not like, I don't want to, I don't know. We're 40 now. So I don't, it's not like I want to go to the clubs (laughs) anymore, but I still (laughs) want to like, (laughs) I still want to be included. I don't want to go. I don't, I would never say yes to like going on like a booze cruise or like some boozy thing, but it's like, you know, so just keeping those things in mind and, um, and just not labeling, I think, especially right now, um, there are so many different ways to recover that calling somebody like labeling somebody an alcoholic. Um, again, it's like just asking the question, like, how do you identify things like that? That's what I would recommend. That's a really interesting one. I've never thought about it that way. I don't know if I would label someone, you know, but that's, that's a very interesting perspective. I think it might help people who are exploring an alcohol-free life to know, just to be open to that. Not everyone, again, I don't call myself an alcoholic. I, I believe that there's a spectrum and there are people that can make the decision to stop at any point. And I think it makes it more approachable for people to try it out without having to say like they're in, in recovery. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to someone who's maybe in the situation you were in or just generally wants to cut back, cut it out? Where where should they start? I would devour every book, every podcast, any, everything out there. I did that for a very long time, even when I was in the darkest places, just listen to podcasts about sobriety books. I have a list of recommendations. If you want to post that, I have like a little, um, I have like a PDF 30 day journal again, just that I can send to you that can be like a self-guided thing just to walk you through 30 days, any amount of time, even if it's five days or just getting those days under your belt and having the clarity to step away from it is, is really what I would recommend to anyone kind of stuck in the cycle and reaching out for help and saying like, Hey, Cause I think like what I did as I was just trying to do it myself and it's not possible. It's, it's, it was not possible for me. I think at any point it's like you connection and, and talking to people and saying it out loud is really is what has to happen. But again, any, I think for just anyone exploring, just getting the information and knowing, knowing the facts and then just taking a step away from it. And they can find those resources. Your TikTok is at Tessa R low right? L-O-W-E. I'll send you the 30 day thing um, too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What recommendations do you have for moms regarding self-care that are looking for, 
you know, some other outlet, a way to give back to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think like we have kind of a weird, weird, like that self-care means like buying all the things. I don't know about you, but that's like, that's the way I saw self-care. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy the things I'm going to get the manicure. I'm going to like get all these things to like attain and like fulfill whatever it is that I need. When in fact, it's like, what do I really need? Do I really need that new sweater? That's not like, to me, that's not self-care. That's not like true self-care, like just trying to like consume, which is what I was doing, thinking like that I deserved it or that like this was going to somehow help me, but it's like an endless pit that it's like, it's not what I really needed. And so I think like, for me, it's like figuring out what I really need in the moment. And that takes a pause to say like, what is actually like going on? Am I am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I lonely? Um, there's this acronym halt. And, th- and that's like really helped me to say like, okay, what is it? Am I overwhelmed? I, I had a sense of feeling overwhelmed. And, and so once I could having the awareness to really understand what it is, then you can go and say, okay, I am feeling tired. I need to just lay down. I it's like very basic stuff and breathing I mean, I don't know, like just the basic going back to basics for me is what true self-care, having a warm cup of tea and like just sitting with myself um, and just having that moment to reflect because it, it is so hard. It's like we are constantly being asked for things and like needed and it's like, okay, yeah. how can I really take care of me and like a way that is healthy and will sustain me. And a lot of times those things, I have to get them done. It's almost like this. Um, I think of it like, uh, like a leaky, a leaky uh, pipe. And so I have to like fix that in the morning or else it's just going to like keep leaking all day. It's like, cause I didn't do those basic things in the morning that helped me to sustain. And then I'm just like all over the place. So I have to like get those that's like some type of movement, some type of breath work, some type of like yoga stretching, like, and being, I put my like eyeball in the sun to like start my circadian rhythm to just get like, and that makes me feel grounded for the rest of the day. So again, I think everyone has their own little like system, but that, that for me, if I don't do those basic things, I'm just, it throws off my entire day. I love that pipe analogy. Like that's yes. awesome. Yeah, I agree. And as you're saying that, it makes me think about anxiety. And sometimes when I'm anxious, I'm like, why do, why am I like, why do it feel like my skin is crawling? And why mm-hmm. do I have this like just feeling of impending doom right now? And I have to sit there and talk to myself and say, what is the root of why I'm feeling this way? And I started to go through like this mental checklist of, is it this? Nope, this, nope, this. And I, I have to figure it out because oftentimes I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I, I feel anxious and I, and that energy is radiating onto everybody. It's, it's not Mm -hmm. helping me. It's not helping my patients. It's not good for my family. And I mean, that's a, a personal journey that I have to go through and I'm still working on and I'm sure I'll always work on it, but at least lately, I feel like the little step that I've been able to make is just becoming more aware of it and more aware of how I'm feeling and try to dive into how do I work through that. Mm -hmm. And I think your recommendations are amazing because it even helps me to think about where am I going wrong in the morning? Because I'm immediately starting my day like, 
oh, I have all these things happening today, so I don't have time to work out. So workout is out the door and I have to do all these other pieces. And so how do I, how do I fit all of that into my day to be able to be the best employee, be the best mom, be the best wife, make sure that there's food on the table, make sure that my son is going to school or my boys are going to school with their lunches, you know? So there's, <laughs> there's just all these pieces that I, that part I have not cracked the code on, but I think what you're saying is so incredibly helpful on what is your routine that you can create to ground you and to set you, set your day up for success. Mm -hmm. So Tessa, we have a little mini segment called, let me tell you something. And let me tell you something is basically derived from when Angelina and I talk and we're like, Hey girl, let me tell you something. And it's <laughs> pretty much whatever happened that week. Oh my God. I and so it is, you know, something that we came across our favorite thing for the week, a book, something we've watched on TV. So product, anything, what is your favorite thing at the moment? Is there something but let me tell you something that you would like to share with us today. Yeah. So I, uh, this is honestly something I have not read yet, but I am so excited to read this book because I listened to this podcast. Um, so there's this book about, it's called Her Country, Marissa Moss. And it's all about how the Dixie Chicks and all of these women in country became popular, even when the system was set up, what they would say was like, the music on the radio should be like the men are the lettuce, the basics. And then you just sprinkle in the women country singles. There were like tomatoes. And so it's all about like them being like the tomatoes, but trying to break through and like the system that was set up for men. So I'm so excited to read this book because I'm, I don't know. I, I'm in high school. I was all about like um, the Dixie chicks. And then I think Casey Musgraves, like she's just incredible mm -hmm. and they just don't get airtime on the radio. And now it's like, this book tells you why that is. So I'm, I'm like, interesting. So excited to read it. So her country ever thought about that. I like that her country by Marissa Moss. Yeah. Marissa Moss. Good to know. Good to know. B, did you have one for this week? Well, I heard that Bridgerton is, is starting to film their third season. So oh. I am pretty stoked about that. I'm going to be honest, after Ray J. Jean Page left <laughs> season two, I was kind of like, meh. I had a hard time getting into it for the first few episodes, but oh, it got so good. <laughs> I got to go back. I didn't stick with it. You I got to stick like, with it. You got to get through like the fourth episode. and then Because for the second episode, I knew I'm like, okay, they're going to be together. Obviously, they hate each other right now. They're arguing. So it just felt really predictable, but then nothing sexy was happening and I got bored with it. Okay. If you have not watched Bridgerton season two and you want to stop listening, like turn on, turn your ears off and I'm not, I'm not, no, no, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you all the deets, but is it predictable? Yeah, maybe so, mm -hmm. but there's mm -hmm. so much tension, like sexual tension throughout the whole Ooh, thing. Spicy. And it's, it, it's definitely not as spicy as season one. That is for sure. But season two, they did a really good job of transitioning the story and whoo, it was good. They came out of the gate strong on season one. I they think did. that's why. So people like we set an expectation, you know, kind of yeah. high. Have you watched it, Tessa? No, now I kind of want to. Oh, season one is so good. So good. <laughs> oh God, I'm going to be mad at you guys. Yeah. It is time for rapid fire. See, 
that was good. Was that the same? I probably <laughs> I wasn't. I feel like you remind me of Oprah when you do it a little bit. It's like you oh, get a rapid fire and you get oh, a rapid oh, fire. You get a call. You get, yeah, no, it's perfect. That's why I liked it. Okay. So what is your go-to pleasure slash self-care? So this could be something you do every morning, something you get to give yourself every day. It could be like trash TV. It could be Starbucks. It could be meditation. Like what is your one thing? For me, it is going like connecting with my other sober moms on a meeting. So that is, that is like my, my go-to it. It really does ground me. And I would have to say the eyeballs in the sun also. <laughs> I'm going to go do that. When you said that, I was like, that's amazing. I should go do that. The like, whites of probably... eyes. like the whites of your eyes don't look directly at the sun. You just get the white right. right in the morning. That's good. Cause then maybe it'll help jolt me awake a little bit more, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it does. It really does. Works. What is your favorite season and why? I know you actually get seasons in Seattle. So we do. We do. I love the fall. I love Halloween. I love the leaves um, that change colors in Seattle. It's just, it's gorgeous and pumpkins and pumpkin spice, everything. <laughs> you do. You're a pumpkin. Do you do pumpkin spice? I do. Oh, I have one and then I'm sick of it, but I like the thought of it leading up to fall. I really love it. I do fall. too. Maybe. I like pumpkin, like breads and stuff too. Oh, pumpkin yeah. loaf. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Don't go to Hobby Lobby because they have all the Halloween things that is right now. Crazy. That's wrong. It is so much. I actually made a reel about it. I was going to post it later. And it was just like, I know it's just July, but it's Halloween. I mean, that is just, it's too much. You know, it's hard is going into Williams Sonoma in the fall because they, because they, you know, put, well, one, yes, they have their peppermint bark, but two, <laughs> they're sent. So they, put on their stove like apple spice oh yeah so you walk by the store and you just get this smell and then you walk in the store and you see like your pumpkin bread and you know all the other things that just bring so much joy to our little bellies it's marketing 101 it's like so good yeah. advertising through the senses right it's like uh, smell this smell come inside now you need all the pumpkin things. I feel like we should do like a social experiment on this I could. What is, um, what's your favorite way to spend a day off? If you had the perfect day off for me, it's so lame because I had one of these, it was going, I going to yoga, getting a really good latte at like a local coffee shop. Um, seeing, seeing another sober friend or going to a meeting, (laughs) It's like a party for me. Love it. And um, taking a walk with another friend and then, um, and then, yeah, doing probably in the evening would be getting all my NA drinks, like a good de soy or um, de soie or uh, like some other piles of non-alcoholic drinks and then watching something like Bridgerton that I could just like binge on. That sounds perfect with no kids. You'll have to let <laughs> us know if you watch it. I, bring, I, I, I binged it when I had COVID back in. Oh <laughs> yeah. That seems I was, perfect. I was confined by myself. So I was like, mm, I I love by myself. this one I love if, because I feel like people always have something so good to say. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? It would be like, there's nothing wrong with you. I think for me, I always felt like that, like played into the alcohol thing, like that something about me needed to be fixed. And like, there's, 
there's nothing wrong. Nothing needs to be like fixed. <laughs> there's nothing broken. <laughs> I feel like that's such a good point. It's just, and I'm, you know, we've heard that kind of resonating with a lot of other women. We talked to our age, it's just, we, we were in this space that we, we weren't confident in our skin, Yes, you know, yes. and comfortable in all the things. And so to just, yeah, to go back then and just to be like, look, look at you. Like you look awesome. Yeah. You're doing great. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Maybe like buy my, buy Amazon stock. I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) That's a good one. Bitcoin when it was two cents. Maybe. Right. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I love it. (laughs) Love it. Well, Tessa, I have one more question. You mentioned the acronym HALT. What does HALT stand for? So hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So that's about like, that's a recovery term. I think it's actually from AA, but I hear it in my other groups, but it's really just about what you said is like that self-awareness is seen like, cause we can spin sometimes when you're in, you have that anxiety, you don't know, like you said, where it came from, but just having those basic needs covered will help you to kind of stay grounded in those moments. Um, and it's not to say like, you won't get the anxiety and things, but just sometimes that is, sometimes you just need a big glass of water mm. and that like moment, and then things are a little better. So it's like really going back to the basic, like hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how we start spinning, right? Like all of a sudden you're hungry and then you're, it's like, then yeah, it, it, it really helps to keep, keep you grounded. Um, but the self-awareness thing is the first step and it sounds like you're doing that brandy. So that's awesome. Trying, but I think each, you know, each person goes through their own struggles. Right. And no, not one is the same. And, and in no way am I trying to compare, um, recovery to anything that I experienced, but it is, it's, I feel like we can take some of these tools that you're sharing with us and apply it to other struggles that each person is having as well. So I think that that's super helpful. No, it's not. And, and, and again, it's really not about the alcohol. I mean, in the beginning it was for me, but now, now it like really, it's not about that at all, which is crazy. It's about just being your authentic self and like your best self. And that can be applied to anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Tessa, you are amazing. You guys are lovely. I love this podcast. I'm so proud of you guys. You're awesome. Thank you. It was so good like to have you as one of our first guests. I think oh, this is just, yes. it's an important conversation. And I think people being willing to share and open up is, is really what we were going for with this podcast is that like, I have a conversation with your friend and to feel like you, you can pull some beneficial, helpful information out of someone. And that was great. I loved it. Yes. I'm so glad you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tessa. Okay. Have a great day. You too. If you or someone, you know, is struggling with addiction, call 1-800-662-HELP today. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. And if you are in need, we ask that you contact your medical professional. Thank you all so much for listening in. And as a member of our community, we want to hear from you. Follow us on social at Talk Forty to Me Podcast and share your feedback on today's topic. How is the conversation relevant in your life? And is there a topic you'd love to hear us discuss? On that note, cheers to aging gracefully, living life to the fullest, and enjoying another day with your besties in life.